Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donavidian. What a piece of that championship! Put it in here. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get it started with PJ. And welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone Podcast. I'm PJ. Hopefully week three was successful for you. It wasn't for me at all, so that might have you tuned out of the podcast now. What can this guy offer to help us out? But, uh, yeah, hopefully we can help you out. Jerry Donabedi and rotowire.com going to join us in a couple minutes. We'll recap everything that happened in week three as well as get you ready for the week four matchups. You can always subscribe to the podcast as well where you get your downloads from and check us out on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Going to go over some things that could happen here in week four, some potential record-breaking performances that could happen. Now, again, some of these guys, obviously they're not going to be available in some leagues, but maybe if you had some questions about starting them or not, this might help you out because I always do think, yes, it's a team game and the players are always thinking of team first, but I do think there's a little something in the back of their mind as well as when they know they're gunning for a record, uh, they give a little extra out there and that could help you as well in fantasy this week. Going to start out with Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you're starting him. This guy's on just another level fantasy-wise. Uh, this I never thought we'd have a quarterback performance like Kurt Warner did in those uh, early 2000s uh, with the greatest show on turf Rams, but Mahomes has surpassed that and he continues to look for records this week. In fact, if he throws for two more touchdown passes this week, he will tie the record with Peyton Manning for the most consecutive games with two-plus touchdown passes. Passes, but he can also have a bigger record as well. He can become the fifth player in NFL history to throw at least three touchdowns in each of his first four games of the season. Now, the only player then he'll be chasing is Steve Young, who had it five times in the 1998 season, and Tom Brady in that historic 2007 season. He did it 10 times, the first 10 games with three plus consecutive TD passes to begin their season. So Mahomes has a chance to be in that company coming up this weekend as they take on the Lions. Now, again, Dalvin Cook, the Minnesota running back, nice bounce back year so far. He rushed for 110 yards and a touchdown in their Week 3 victory over Oakland. Now, he has recorded at least 100 rushing yards and a touchdown in each of his first three games of the season. He has 375 rushing yards that leads the league so far through the three weeks. So if he gets at least 100 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown on Sunday, now it's a tough matchup against the Bears. But if he does that, he's going to become the fifth player in NFL history with at least 100 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown in each of his team's first four games to begin an NFL season. Buffalo running back Frank Gore, he can join an exclusive list as he is now at 14,912 yards through 15 years of the league. If he gets 88 rushing yards on Sunday, Frank Gore is going to become a member of the 15,000-yard club. Now, again, they are against the Patriots, but uh, New England has been known to give up some rushing yards, so Frank Gore for the Bills is going to be going for that 15,000-yard mark coming up. Uh, this weekend. And Darren Waller, the great tight end of Oakland, has had a career-high 13 catches, 134 yards last week against the Vikings. So far, his 26 receptions ranked second in the league and leads all tight ends through the first three weeks of the season. So if he gets eight receptions on Sunday at Indy, Waller would surpass Antonio Gates for the most receptions by a tight end through his team's first four games of an NFL season. So again, he could be an exclusive company for Darren Waller. The start that he's on, this puts it in perspective. If he gets eight catches on Sunday against Indy, which is very entirely possible, he will uh, have that all-time record to himself and surpass Antonio Gates, one of the best fantasy tight ends of all time. So there you go. Look at some of the interesting stuff 
stats and also records that could fall as we begin week four this week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And once again, Fantasy Football Zone, we've got Jerry Donabedian, rotowire.com, joining us once again. And Jerry, week three, not so good for me. How was it for you? Uh, it was it was okay for me. Uh, fantasy teams did all right as a Ravens fan. Uh, seeing what Pat Mahomes did to the once-proud Ravens defense was not quite as great. Wait, but he's doing it to everybody. I mean, that's the amazing thing on how Kansas City keeps us rolling. And again, it's like we predicted last week. You did. Hardeman was going to be the guy this week for the receivers there. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess 380 yards and three touchdowns actually isn't so bad against Mahomes. Yeah. As ridiculous as it sounds to say, it's like, well, you know, the Chiefs had kept playing aggressive and hadn't just kind of went into their shell and run the ball in the second half. I think Mahomes would have ended up with like 480 yards and four touchdowns and the Ravens never would have been able to make that little run to kind of make it interesting at the end so could have been worse and now because of that we have another Williams to deal with in that backfield that we have to figure out if they're going to play him or Damian Williams or of course LaShawn McCoy now looking really good there I mean they're putting up points so I guess you can't go wrong with a cheap but picking a running back I think that's where your poison is there with that offense yeah that one's going to be tricky uh, Daryl Williams looked really good and he's a guy who kind of been around with them for a couple of years now and until Sunday was really like mostly a special teams guy I you know I don't think he's going to play ahead of Damian Williams and McCoy if they're fully healthy but right now they're not so seems like everyone except for the rookie Darwin Thompson is like in the mix there for some of those uh those touchdowns that there's so many to go around of in Kansas City now we're gonna go to New York now and I never thought we'd be talking about the Giants offense this early in the fantasy season obviously Saquon but other than that, I didn't think we would talk about it. But our buddy Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, looked pretty good in that win against Tampa. So now is the Giants' offense a little more attractive for fantasy, even with the Saquon injury? Yeah, I think all of a sudden it's kind of like the, the Giants' offense is like the big focus of the fantasy football world. You've got, you've got uh, Saquon out for at least a month, probably longer. Uh, you know, Gallman is the, the hot waiver and uh, waiver pickup of the week. And then we saw, like, finally, it looks like some signs of life for Sterling Shepard. Uh, I'm like a, a chronic Sterling Shepard owner. Like every year, I, I just have to keep drafting Sterling Shepard <laughs> in multiple leagues and putting him in DraftKings lineups. And it's like, I just I can't kick this addiction. And it looks like maybe he could finally pay off now that they've got a quarterback who can throw more than 15 yards down the field. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got Evan Ingram at tight end. So, so yeah, I think it kind of got to the point, I think we mentioned last week, like couldn't really have gotten any worse for the Giants receivers than it had with Eli Manning. So any change was a good one, and the fact that uh, Danny Dimes came in and did what he did right from the get-go uh, definitely bodes well for those guys in the future weeks. i got to ask you about Gallman. Yeah, obviously he's the top pickup this week. You've got a little history there because before they picked Barkley, they, they had him in a split a little bit. I mean, he had some glimpses of, of good games, but then not so many. So, I mean, how much faith do we put in him while Barkley's out? I think, you know, I think I think it's very volume-based. I think he's a, he's a very, how do you want to put it nicely? He's a very replaceable player. He's yes. not necessarily a bad player. But, you know, the gap in talent between Saquon Barkley and Wayne Gallman is much much wider than the gap between the 
telling in Wayne Gallman and lots of guys who don't have jobs right now. Uh, he's not, you know, he's kind of a, a dime a dozen type player. But that said, the only other running back they have on their roster is Elijah Penny, who is a fullback and special teams guy mostly. So Gallman's going to get the carries, uh, and we see that offense having some signs of life now with the offensive line improved in the offseason, and now Danny Dimes coming in for Manning. Uh, so I think if you're looking at, you know, 12 14 carries a game maybe, which is less than what Barkley gets, obviously, and maybe three or four targets. Uh, I think that's going to be good enough to you know play Gallman as an RB2. Uh, certainly, that's my plan this week. I've been kind of hoarding that waiver priority in a bunch of leagues. So uh, I'll kind of just happen to have stumbled into having a bunch of Wayne Gallman. So uh, I've got Damian Williams in a lot of those leagues, so I like need that injury replacement anyway. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be explosive, but I think just on the basis of volume, he should be in that RB2 flex range. And I know I had to grab uh, Gallman this week because of the predicament I'm in because of something we're going to talk about now, Melvin Gordon. I've got him sitting on my bench. News has come out that it sounds like he might report a little sooner than anticipated. Now, that's still bland. We don't know. Probably October, mid-October. Who knows? But, I mean, at least there's some dialogue that he's going to be coming back. I guess it's a little more positive than what we had to deal with Le'Veon Bell last year. Yeah, I think Gordon was never – it seems like he was never really thinking of sitting out the whole season. Uh, He probably saw that, you know, Le'Veon Bell got a nice contract, but probably not what he was hoping for, uh, and that Gordon isn't going to get that big of a deal anyway because he's not as good of a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the reports were pretty pretty vague. It was like something like, oh, Melvin Gordon had been planning to return in October. Now he's planning to return sooner, but he won't be back this week. And yeah. I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. I think I just got my calendar out real quick. Don't use it very often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had to, had to, still like on August, had to flip it forward a couple months. It's like, oh, next week is uh, next week's October. So <laughs> I, I guess they're saying maybe that he was previously was, Maybe looking at that week seven, week eight range, and now he's getting a little antsy. Uh, not to mention every game he sits out, he's costing himself like three hundred thousand some dollars. So mm-hmm. I'd be getting antsy too. And even when he comes back, though, he's still gonna. I mean, Eckler's been very serviceable, and they got Jackson. I mean, he I, obviously you're gonna put him in, but it, I it'd be a big log jam for fantasy, I guess, for for right now in that position, unless injury pops up. Yeah, no, I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Uh I think I wouldn't when Gordon comes back, which it sounds like won't be this week, sounds like it could be week five or week six. I don't see I don't see him producing at the level that he produced at the last two years. Um, you know, he's he was never the most efficient in terms of his yards per carry. Last year he boosted that up. But yeah, like Eckler Eckler is better in the passing game. Not that Gordon is bad there, but Eckler's a better route runner. Uh, Gordon's certainly good with the ball in his hands, but not quite as good at getting open, not quite as much of a threat to the defenses. Uh, Eckler is almost kind of like a poor man's Alvin Kamara. See, I would I would expect it to be closer to a 50-50 split, whereas you know last year and the year before it was really three-quarters Gordon, one-quarter Eckler. Uh, and even if it's 65 Gordon, 35% Eckler, like that's probably going to put Gordon – more toward like a high end RB two, more so than an RB one, uh, somewhere in like that ten to fifteen running back range. So yeah, I think it's you know it, it could still be a nice payoff depending on where people drafted Gordon. You know, mm-hmm. if you got him in like the seventh round, that's still uh, to have him only miss four weeks and then come back and be a solid starter is good. 
Uh, but if you drafted him before the holdout, you know, in the first round, and he missed four weeks, and then he's coming back and splitting work with Eckler, uh, that's that's a little bit tougher of a pill to swallow. Up next in Carolina, Cam Newton's going to be out, sounds like, for an extended time. Uh, Kyle Allen, pretty good. Put up the peg passing yards. You told us to grab Greg Olson last week. I hope you did, folks, because he, he sure paid off for you. But what about that Panthers offense now? I mean, it seemed to be running pretty good last week with Kyle Allen at the helm. Yeah, Kyle Allen looked really good. Uh, it was It was definitely a conservative game plan, a lot of short passing. There wasn't not really aggressive throwing downfield, but uh, that worked great for Greg Olson. Of course, he got that matchup against a Cardinals team that's now given up like 400 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns to tight ends already. Uh, so I think you know that that was part of it there. That and Kyle Allen benefited from that same matchup. But if you look at the Texans, who the, Car- the Panthers are playing this week, they've also been really weak against the pass this year. More so, allowing production to wide receivers than tight ends. Uh, so I, you know, I, th- I still think Olsen is definitely startable this week, but I could see it going a little bit more toward DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who also showed some signs of life in that last game. Uh, we're going to move over to New England now. The Patriots, their wide receivers now going forward after the Antonio Brown fallout. Now he's done. Uh, we had some injury issues with Edelman uh, going into uh, out the game uh, last week, so we his status for this week, and I guess it's somewhat in question. You'll never know in New England uh, with a Belichick press conference. But uh, how do we treat this offense now, especially the receivers, as we uh, go forward here? This is what I'm very conflicted on. Because they've got uh, with the fullback James Devlin going on injured reserve with a neck injury and Sony Michelle averaging like two and a half yards per carrier whatever awful number it is, uh, they've, their running game is really kind of dead, or at least their like, power, you know, line up with the fullback and tight end. Running game is dead. Uh, so last week we saw them uh, basically use three receivers on almost every snap after the opening drive of their game, uh, which, which bodes well for not just Josh Gordon, Edelman, and Dorsett, but also for James White and Rex Burkhead over Sony Michelle. So I'm really optimistic about what the Patriots passing game is going to do because I think without without the fullback and with Sony Michelle struggling, I think that their Josh McDaniels, the coordinator, is just going to have like Brady air it out. We could see Brady put up his best numbers we've seen in years for fantasy. However, the first week of that is in Buffalo, which has been one of the best pass defenses for a couple of years running now. Uh, they've completely shut out quarterbacks and wide receivers this season. So I think my, in terms of this week, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, Gordon and Dorsett maybe disappoint a little. But beyond that, I think certainly Gordon will be a very strong fantasy starter, uh, you know, as, long as, he can, as long as he can stay active and out of trouble. <laughs> and that also uh, Dorsett should be like one of the top waiver pickups, maybe the top wide receiver waiver pickup this week. Well, last week at this time we were talking about, uh, well, the Steelers and the Saints quarterback issues. The Saints, so they looked pretty good. The Steelers, Mason Rudolph, man, we were both, yeah, that offense will be fine. Things are going to be going great. Uh, they can't pass the ball now in Pittsburgh. So uh, I don't know. Is there trouble ahead now since uh, they, they can't pass the ball uh, this past week? I mean, uh, do you see that just as an anomaly, or do you think this is a concern going forward? Well, I think part of it was the the matchup, the San Francisco defense taking that ginormous step forward from last year. They've really played very well in all three of their games. Um, but no, it was, you know, I mean, Rudolph's numbers were ugly, and that includes a 75-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Uh, there were some sloppy plays in there. I mean, the only reason they even stayed in the game was because 
the 49ers had a, a drop screen pass that turned into an interception, a botched uh, snap, a red zone fumble, and they still won the game. So, yeah, I think if, you know, uh, it's kind of time to panic for the Steelers. That said, they've got like the perfect get right matchup this week on Monday night. They're home against the Bengals. Uh, so I think, you know, that could, that could be another matchup where, based on what we've seen from the Bengals, where Rudolph can settle for some of those shorter throws and rely on his receivers to pick up yards after the catch. Uh, but, but no, yeah, there's no, no doubt that his debut was disappointing. And it's, it's hard to see the Steelers going anywhere this year. And it's, you know, pretty, pretty hard to see anyone besides uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe James Conner really being worth having as a starter in fantasy lineups. With the Bears offense on Monday night, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense, the offense, they did pretty good. Taylor Gabriel obviously came out of, I, I would say nowhere, because he, I don't think he was on too many people's radars, maybe deep deeper leagues, but uh, with a big performance he had against the Redskins. Should we even try to figure out who the hot hand is in this offense? Because every week it's somebody different. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's it's more of a more of a cold handoff. Yes, There's usually one hot hand and a bunch of cold ones every week. Um, I mean, I think David Montgomery is the guy who, if you look the last two weeks, uh, he hasn't gotten into the end zone yet, uh, and he hasn't caught a ton of passes. But he's the guy who's consistently been on the field. The volume's been there, uh, so I, I still think Montgomery and Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel is he kind of did the same thing last year. Like I think he had half of his fantasy points in two games. Uh, he just had one, I think, one game with like 100 some yards and two touchdowns, and one other big game in his quiet the rest of the season. A lot of what he does is just run those deeper routes to clear out space for the short stuff to Cohen and Montgomery and Robinson. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't, there's no one who you're really excited to put into your starting lineup from this Bears offense right now. Uh, even, even in the win, we saw Mitch Trubisky miss some easy throws. Uh, his interception was uh, just absolutely awful. I mean, in the red zone with a big lead in the second half, and he just made a terrible, terrible pass. So, yeah, there's, there's no one you're excited to start, but I think Robinson and Montgomery are definitely at least in that conversation. Uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mess around with you know, Gabriel or Trey Burton right now, mm-hmm. not unless we start to see Trubisky play a whole lot better than he has been. And to that point, too, Gabriel is uh, one of those players, even going back to his Atlanta Falcons days, where he, he, he'll he have a big week, but then you won't hear from him the rest of the season. So I caution people, if you're going on the waiver wire picking him up, thinking, oh, he's going to be, you know, this could be great gets. I, I caution you on that because the history tells us he'll have the big week, but then the consistency is going to trail off. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, he's always been a hot and cold guy. Uh, kind of the nature of his game anyway is sort of just a pure big play threat. And, yeah, I think uh, there's on the, if you look on the waiver, I think there's a more forward-looking approach toward what guys are going to do as opposed to what just happened. I think Philip Dorsett kind of combines both, actually, where we've seen him have some success. And we've also seen some developments on the team around him that kind of point toward a larger role and continuing some of that success. Of course, you do a good job with a hidden stat line from this past week. Always a great article to read at rotowire.com. What do you got up there? What what did your research find, I guess, this week? Yeah, well, one of my favorite things, actually, that I found was what we just talked about with the Patriots. That was, I might call that my main finding. Uh, and now I'm trying to, like, trade for Josh Gordon as many leagues as possible, seeing how the Patriots, Without their fullback, they just kind of like abandoned that aspect of the offense. Uh, another thing I've really been watching was Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the Packers, who also happens to have a very nice matchup coming up Thursday night against the Eagles. 
Uh, the, the way the Packers under Matt LaFleur have been running this offense, it's kind of been a rotation, like heavy rotation at every position, running back with Williams and Jones, tight end with Jimmy Graham losing a lot of work to Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan. And they don't use many three receiver formations, which is obviously for, you know, with Mike McCarthy for the last decade, uh, they were very heavily a three wide offense. So Geronimo Allison isn't really playing much, but the one guy who has been up there playing like 90% of snaps and running a route pretty much every time Aaron Rodgers has dropped back has been Devontae Adams and then Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Uh, so I think, I think, and we saw it with the breakout game, the results were finally there for MVS this past week. Uh, but yeah, just seeing that like the usage is kind of backing that up. And you know, I don't think he's going to be as consistent as Adams because he's just not the same quality of player. But he is someone who I think, when all is said and done at the end of the year, I think he's gonna could be up in that like eight hundred to one thousand yard range. And, and the thing with that Packers offense too, it, it's the team stats they have. I think they're ranked like twenty seventh right now with total yards. I mean they are down there, and Lafleur is the offensive coach. So the thing is they are putting up good stats fantasy wise with some of the players, and I think it's gonna get better. I think, once again, Aaron Rodgers is up there in the top five with time to throw. So, I mean, if the offensive line continues to give him that time to throw, I I can just imagine just bigger things are going to happen with this offense. So don't get frustrated if you don't think they're putting up the huge fantasy points that you're expecting just yet. Yeah, they've. I mean, they've they've obviously, so far, the defense has been great and has been what's carried the team to a 3-0 record. Uh, But let's also keep in mind that some of that has been about the matchups. I mean, Mm -hmm. you play play the Broncos, the Bears, and the Vikings, you get roped into these sort of run-heavy, low-scoring, slow-paced games. Now we're looking at week four. You're playing against the Eagles, a team that is good at stopping the run, weak at at stopping the pass, and doesn't have a running game of its own. Uh, We could be looking at, you know, a more, I don't know if high-flying is the word, because I do still have confidence in that Packers defense. But more in that direction, where like Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have to throw more than 28 passes. They're not going to just be able to play defense, run the ball, and punt. Uh, I think it's going to be a more, the Eagles are going to kind of rope them into a more aggressive game. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a mix. They are in the NFC North, and really all four teams in that division have played really strong defense to that, this point in the year. And all four of them have been pretty clear about wanting to run the ball uh, and slow games down a little. So there's, there's going to be a mix, I think, throughout the year uh, where I don't think we're going to see like the huge Aaron Rodgers numbers overall that we're used to seeing for a season. But there's going to be some big, you know, 300-yard multi-touchdown weeks. Uh, and I think this one on Thursday night coming up very well could be one of them. Week four matchups heading into it. Uh, give us some of the running backs that you like uh, with their uh, matchups for week four here. Well, kind of hinted at this before, but this is, this is sort of like a weekly default. Uh, whoever is playing running back against Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which this week would be James Conner uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's just off for a terrible, terrible start this year. But he's got really like the ultimate get-right matchup. The Bengals allowed the second most fantasy points to running back last season. This year they're allowing the most. They're allowing 8.5 yards per target, like 5.5 yards per carry. We just saw Frank Gore go for 89 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, the Bengals just have some of the worst linebackers in the league and leaves them you know, vulnerable not only to giving up big plays in the running game, but just those chunks of 8 to 10 yards in the passing game. And I think for the Steelers, second-time starter quarterback, 
Uh, that getting some of those short passes going to the running backs and to Juju is going to be the key. And missing missing the tight end, McDonald, they sort of got one less guy competing for those looks. So I think I, I still worry a little bit about Connor's prospects this season, Paul, just because, you know, like you talked about, the offense just looks bad. Uh, but, but for this week, I definitely am confident rolling Connor out as a starter. Is there another running back down there that maybe people are thinking, ah, should I start him or not? Maybe he's like in that uh, running back two, three line. You want to throw him in your flex. Is there another one of those type backs out there that you actually really like their matchup this week? Wayne Gallman is another. I know we talked mm-hmm. about him already as a big waiver pickup. But I think a lot of people will pick him up and then kind of you know put him on the bench. Yeah. Uh, yep. the, the old wait and see. And I, I would advise against that because he's in a home game against the Redskins. Giants are favored to win. Uh, the Redskins' defense has been disappointing so far, dealt with some injuries up front with Spencer Van Jonathan Allen uh, being out and then maybe not at his best. So I think uh, Gallman, if he's, you know, he's going to really have the big game, it's going to be this week might be his best chance because there's also some talk about the Giants maybe trying out other running backs, mm-hmm. maybe a C.J. Anderson. Uh, I think they tried out like Fozzie Whitaker and Benny Cunningham. But they're not going to have those guys ready for their game plan this week. So I think this is the week where he's got a soft matchup and he's going to be dominating the work. So might be now or never for Gallman. All right, heading over to wide receivers. Uh, who are some of the wideouts you're liking this week? I really like Marquise Brown to have a bounce back week for the Ravens. Uh, looking at his, so far his production has been very all over the place. Week one, he barely played. He had played 14 snaps and had five targets but he turned it into 140 yards and two touchdowns. Then week two, he saw 13 targets, caught eight passes for 88 yards, but no touchdown. And then week three, the Chiefs really shut him down, uh, did a nice job, but he still still led the Ravens in targets again. Uh, so he's very clearly the number one receiver in Baltimore. Now they're going to be facing a Browns team whose top two cornerbacks, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, uh, both have been out with injuries. Neither of them was able to practice Wednesday. So it looks like the Browns are looking at a second straight week without their top two cornerbacks. So whether you know whether the Ravens are able to take advantage of that with greens to Brown or the deep passes, I think he's going to get a lot of volume and be in a good position to take advantage of it. i got to ask you while we're on wide receivers, do you think two Charger wide receivers can get over 100 yards against that Dolphins defense this week? Well, ever going to happen for Mike Williams. <laughs> I'm uh, hoping, yes. That's what I'm getting at. Will he pay off for me finally? Uh, I, he might. He'll be on my <laughs> bench, though. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not ready to trust in it. I think Eckler is against the Dolphins. It's a pretty, pretty safe bet that whoever is like, the starting running back is going to have a solid game against the Dolphins. Although we saw Zeke end up losing carries to Tony Pollard partially because it was a blowout uh, mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter last week. You know, I would I would give Mike Williams a boost this week, but I think he's averaging five targets per game. Uh, Keenan yeah. Allen's averaging 14. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty clear Allen and Eckler, just the whole offense right now. I still think Williams, you know, is talented enough where he's going to capture a larger share. Uh, it's just, you know, when we got we're through three weeks now and we haven't seen it happen uh and you know against the texans last week would have been a nice matchup for it to happen with them having a weak pass defense so i'm kind of increasingly growing skeptical and maybe it's not something we see till the second half of the season a quarterback matchup that you uh like here in week four love russell wilson this week uh he's, he's coming off the 400 yard game uh playing playing from behind against the saints we know the seahawks 
don't really like to run the, or pass the ball unless they have to, uh, which seems a little crazy when you've got a guy this good at quarterback. Uh, and now you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who are both playing really well. I think this week in Arizona, we're going to see the Seahawks get back to their running game and not be forced to play from behind. But I think Wilson's just going to be really efficient with whatever chances he does get, as he always is. Uh, just looking at what Kyle Allen did last week, what Lamar Jackson did to the Cardinals the week before, and Matt Stafford the week before that, you know, this, this Cardinals team maybe has been interesting in some aspects, but the defense has kind of been exactly what everyone expected. Uh, you know, they're sort of on the track to 4-12, and 12, or I guess maybe 3-12-1 uh, three, three, and because they had that time. Yes. But, uh, yeah, pretty much any, any, quarter, any quarterback who's facing the Cardinals, uh, and even more so when you're talking about someone like Russell Wilson coming off a huge game, I think also Lockett and Metcalf, and, and especially the tight end, Disley. Yeah, uh, I was going to transition right into that uh, with Disley now, and they, they traded Vanette too. So, I mean, that's got to help out a lot, especially what, what you've been saying about Arizona. They don't play well against the tight end, and Disley has been on you know, a pretty good role the last couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really the – I mean, that's, I, I also like Lockett and Metcalf. Basically, like anyone who is, you know, within a 100-mile radius of Phoenix should be able to put up at least a handful of fantasy points this week. Uh, but, yeah, Disley, in terms of, like, the relative advantage, uh, the Cardinals, yeah, have allowed, I think they've, they're very close to allowing more points to tight ends than they did all of last season. Wow. Uh, and way ahead of the, yeah, they'd already, after week two, they'd already allowed more than half of what they allowed last season and then Olsen went for 75 and two touchdowns uh and so they've they've pretty much like paced the league in terms of just how bad they are against tight ends which is kind of an odd thing to be that much of an outlier on um not saying it will necessarily stay that way for the the entire season it's gotta gotta regress a little bit but you know probably not this week uh in terms of Disley, yeah, like you said, with the Vanette trade taking on a larger workload and playing with Russell Wilson, who really seems to trust him now. So we've uncovered two trends so far this season. You start a defense on whoever's playing the Dolphins offense, so you, you do that, and now you start whoever tight end is against Arizona. So so we got two good trends going so far this year. And I'll let me throw in running backs against the Bengals, too, although that that's too, actually yes. a trend that – that's just a trend that's – Kind of been going for two seasons, or you might say that it's more or less been a trend for, for like 20 seasons, but there was exactly. a, a couple of years in there under Marvin Lewis where their defense was okay. <laughs> so there, yes, we have three of them going. So follow those, and you should do pretty good week in and week out. Uh, some defenses that we should be looking at to stream this week. Uh, who do you like? Well, this is I do a streaming defenses article over on RotoWire, uh, and usually there's a few that I'm pretty excited about, but this week we see – Things get a little tricky. We've got our first bye week, and yep. the Jets aren't playing. So usually whoever's <laughs> facing the Jets is going to be a good option. That's that's out of the picture. Uh, and then the 49ers, who have actually been one of the better teams to stream because like people have been a little skeptical because of how bad they were last year, uh, they're out of the picture on the bye week. And then we've got the Rams, the Patriots, the Chargers, basically all the defenses that people, the Vikings, the Bears, all the defenses that people already own are the ones that have the good matchups. So it gets a little trickier, but uh, I'm looking toward the Steelers. They're at home against the Bengals. I, I, you know, I don't mean to just keep picking on, <laughs> picking on the Bengals, uh, but the fact is that they, they can't play defense and they don't even try to run the ball. Like they're, 
passing rate is highest or second highest in the league, even though they have Joe Mixon. Uh, so, so even if Andy Dalton does have some success, and he very well might against that shaky Pittsburgh secondary, uh, just the fact that you've got a quarterback like Andy Dalton who's you know going to be dropping back to pass 40-plus times, it's a lot of opportunities for those sacks, interceptions, fumbles that really are going to make up the core of our defensive uh, team fantasy scoring. So I think even if the Steelers do give up a couple touchdowns, I think they're going to make up for it in the other stat court categories. Uh, with sacks and interceptions. Certainly their their pass rush is not the problem there. Their front seven in general is pretty darn good. The secondary is weak. Uh, but I think in terms of piling up the points, uh, the pass rushes tend to be the more relevant thing for fantasy. All right, and again, at rotowire.com, you got the Week 2 hidden stat line you've been working on. Also, again, the team defense is streaming. Any other good stuff you're working on? Oh, I've got my start-sit start, matchups column. That'll be coming out. Uh, and I think we've, we've kind of already talked about some of that, actually. <laughs> Certainly, like, James Conner will be featured prominently. Uh, I know that I, as someone who has him in, like, my favorite league, have kind of been on the fence. I'm like, man, like, you know, do I bench this guy for Wayne Gallman this week? Uh, or like, But th- I think, you know, this week I'm not not going to do it. I'll sit Gallman in the flex and put one of my receivers to the bench. Um, but, yeah, that I, you know, I try to try to pinpoint a bunch of different matchups uh, and maybe some, you know, focus on some stuff beyond the obvious, like, I think everyone's figured out at this point that like the Giants defense is terrible, so any quarterback facing them is going to be a good play. So I try to look a little more into like individual matchups, get into some of the stuff like which cornerback is going to be guarding which wide receiver, uh, which teams have been vulnerable to a slot receiver versus you know a bigger outside downfield type receiver, uh, and sort of sort of uncover the stuff, some stuff that goes beyond like the obvious. Uh, Giants play guys against the Giants or Cardinals that I think most of us have figured out through this point in the season. So again, check it out, rotowire.com. Jerry Donabedian, thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, Best of luck coming up here week four. Yeah, good luck to you too, Paul. And that'll wrap up another edition here of the Fantasy Football Zone. Thanks for spending some time with us, checking us out. As always, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast, where you get your downloads from. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Hopefully some good information that will help you out in your fantasy matchup here in Week 4 as it's starting to get a little difficult with the bye weeks factored in as well as those injuries now, some big key injuries hitting teams. So hopefully you can help you out this week and best of luck. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.